This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for April 27th, 2018. This episode is brought to you by SellYourMac.com. SellYourMac.com will give you cash for your used Apple computers and devices. And keep listening for an extra special offer for Intego Mac Podcast listeners. The Intego Mac Podcast is presented by Intego, makers of security and utility software exclusively for Apple products since 1997. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. So this week, Josh, we've encountered a number of new types of malware that are attacking Macs. Yeah, yeah. And just in the past few weeks, we've seen um, a word macro virus, Ocean Lotus. We've seen a new variant of Schleyer, which is malware that we've we've talked about before that does some interesting things using shell scripts. And uh, this new variant of it does uh, some search engine hijacking on your computer and some other nasty things like that. And then Apple also found a new version of Snake, evidently. So Snake is, is some malware that seems to have been ported from, from Windows. And Apple's XProtect definitions, their safe download list is what they call it officially, is now blocking some new variant of, of Snake malware. So why is all this malware showing up all of a sudden? We don't often see multiple types of malware in a given week. Yeah, it's it is interesting. Um, we we have been seeing, I would say, an uptick in in the quantity of Mac malware, just in increasing over the past couple of years. Last year we had quite a bit, um, and already this year we've had several different families of Mac malware. So um, it, it's something that um, is not slowing down. I think there's definitely enough interest out there in. Max, you know, enough people are buying Max that it's it's a, an interesting target for for attackers to go after. Well, that's what we were saying some years ago, but I don't think computers are selling that much anymore that it is that interesting a target. You know, obviously computers and businesses, Windows computers, but it's not like we're seeing a, a huge boom in Mac sales. Well, one of the things that we are seeing increasingly it, again, over the past you know year or so, this it's become more of a trend that a lot of Mac malware specifically does things to make money for the creator of that malware. Whether it's you know ransomware where they're encrypting files on your hard drive and you have to pay them in order to to decrypt them, or the more recently popular thing is cryptocurrency mining, crypto jacking. So they're hijacking your computer's processing power now to uh, mine cryptocurrency. And I'll have a link in the show notes to an episode where we discuss this more thoroughly. So these, these are attacks that, um, you know, that are becoming more common because people think, oh, well, maybe I can make some money. So let me make some malware and see if I can make some money off of some unsuspecting victims. So maybe some of it is simply that cryptocurrency is a way that people can make money easily. And that probably isn't entirely illegal. I mean, hacking someone's computer is, but... It's not like they're stealing data or documents. Mm -hmm. So even if people get caught, they probably wouldn't get in as much trouble. Well, I mean, at least in the United States, I think that if somebody has done something like that to your computer, 
it still constitutes hacking, I think, under U.S. law. And I'm not a legal expert, but but that's my understanding anyway. International, you know, things get really sticky when you're talking about, you know, somebody who lives in X country and they're attacking you in whatever your country you're in. It's when you cross country lines, um, legal things get sticky. <laughs> in other news this week, Apple released a couple of new updates. They released iOS 11.3.1 for the iPhone and iPad. And for the Mac, they released a security update, which is labeled 2018-001. So it's the first one for this year. And what was really strange was that it's a gigabyte. Now, the entire High Sierra update is, what, five gigabytes roughly? I don't understand why a security update, which basically just has two fixes, could be a gigabyte. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? Because so th there's two things that they specifically mentioned that they fixed. A again, this is a security update, so it's not like they're fixing, you know, other miscellaneous bugs. It's specifically security issues. And there's only two things they listed. One is Crash Reporter, a bug in Crash Reporter. And the other is Link Presentation. And, and this seems to be related to a recent um, uh, QR code vulnerability where you could use your camera app built into the phone and scan a QR code and it would pop up a little thing across the top of the screen that said it would take you to whatever site. And if you tapped on it, it would take you there. It was possible to spoof what site you were going to be able to go to a maliciously crafted QR code. You could put it that way, could pretend that it was going to irs.gov and it might actually take you to hey, happy fun. This is totally a legitimate tax site dot com and pretend to be taking you somewhere that it's actually not. And so I think that's what this link presentation is, but I don't understand how these two things crash reporter and, and, and a, a, a link processor a URL processor. I, I don't, that doesn't make sense to me how, how that takes up an entire gigabyte on your Mac. No, there, there's something a bit fishy. I mean, a gigabyte would be all of the stock apps, that are on the Mac, like mail and calendar and messages and all that. Now, maybe they had to re put a new version of messages or the mail app or a couple of things because of the links. And they don't specifically say on the Mac update, they don't say it's WebKit, which they do say in the iOS update. It's a little surprising. It, usually a security update is, is 20 megabytes, 50 megabytes. It's generally small, as was the iOS update. But this one, I'm scratching my head and I haven't found an answer yet. Yeah. And I, I haven't personally looked into this. I, I know that there are ways that you can tell what file system modifications have taken place. If you're, you know, a hacker type and you want to get into really geeky stuff. Um, I haven't taken the time to dig into that, but that is interesting though, how, how big that update is. Now, there's been some interesting news. We talked a few weeks ago about these devices that companies are selling uh, that allows them to crack iOS devices. So you connect an iOS device to a lightning cable, and it somehow does a brute force attack to figure out the pin. And these are being sold to law enforcement agencies who, you know, they arrest someone, they want to get in their phone, and they're using this. When we talked about it, we mentioned that this is obviously leveraging some sort of a vulnerability and exploit in iOS. And it turns out that someone who makes one of these devices called Gray Key 
had a data breach, and now someone's trying to hit them for ransom. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, a I don't know if I should say it's an amusing story because um, this does have security implications for really everybody who uses an iOS device. But uh, yes, so according to Mac rumors, they they report that unknown hackers leaked portions of the gray key code and demanded two Bitcoin from Grayshift with the threat of additional data being leaked. At the time that we're recording, Bitcoin is worth $8,849.56. So, you know, anytime that a, a ransom thing like this comes up and they say, give it, pay us and then we won't leak anything else. How do you really know that they're not going to just leak it anyway after you pay the ransom? But that's the whole thing about blackmail, too. You know, every time you see a movie or you read a mystery with blackmail, it's obvious that the blackmailer, they've got, they've kept a copy of the photos. They always have. Oh, yeah. And they're always going to come back after you. These guys, they're not going to shred their their hard drive. They've got it in the cloud someplace. Right. I always think it's hilarious on TV shows when someone's, you know, hands over a manila envelope, you know, and it's got some, the, the pictures in it. It's like, come on, <laughs> you know, those are copies. They kept a copy. <laughs> so one thing that I thought about when I saw that is that the recent iOS update, which is a security update, I wonder if that security update patched whatever vulnerability that these devices are using. Because as we discussed, these are expensive. The, the great key starts at $15,000. But if it's based on a vulnerability or an exploit, once Apple patches that, this great key box will no longer work. And you would think it's in Apple's interest to try to patch it, to try and find out what it is. Maybe that's what the ransom is about. Maybe the hackers are threatening to release the code to Apple, which would put this company out of business, or at least lead to a lot of law enforcement agencies coming back and saying, we want a refund. Right. Well, if they do release the code publicly, then Apple has the code then at that point. So regardless of, of whether they're saying give it to Apple directly or release it to the public, Apple will get it and they'll patch the vulnerability, presumably. So uh, I, I, you know, it's only a matter of time before someone at Apple gets a hold of one of these devices. If, if there's somebody who works in law enforcement, or at least who can pretend they work in law enforcement, convince the company that makes these boxes to sell them a box, all it's, all it's going to take is for someone to turn over one of these boxes to Apple, and they'll figure out what they're doing, and they'll mitigate that attack. Only a matter of time. So Josh, you went to the RSA conference last week. What happened there? Well, there were a number of things that happened, one of which we'll talk about in a few minutes with trust jacking. Another thing that came out at, at RSA conference was this cybersecurity tech accord. And <laughs> it sounds really fancy and amazing, but what, what it essentially is, is, you know, a number of big companies that include, you know, Microsoft, Facebook, Cisco, HP, Cloudflare, GitHub, Oracle, a, a number of other companies are on this list. I didn't hear any Californian fruit companies in that list. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So a bunch of companies basically got together and made a, a pledge that they would follow these particular cybersecurity guidelines to make sure that they're protecting their customers and, and protecting the world. And so essentially what, what they claim is two things. And we'll link to this. Uh, there's a, a great Mac Observer article um, by Brian Chaffin who talks about this. He, he gives an interesting perspective on this because almost 
all of the media is talking about this, like, this is amazing. And all these, you know, great companies are going to protect everybody and, and pointing fingers at Apple and Google and Amazon, who are all not on the list of signatories for, for this tech accord and pointing fingers at them and saying, Oh, how come Apple's hasn't signed on to this? How come Google hasn't and Amazon? And so essentially that they're agreeing that they're not going to work with foreign governments to attack civilians. Is that it? Yeah. So the Mac Observer article says that essentially the pledge has two parts. The first is that the companies will protect their customers, which you would think that they should be doing anyway, right? And the second is that they won't help governments launch cyber attacks on innocent customers and enterprises. Well, how do they know who's innocent and who's not? A lot of countries have this idea of innocent till proven guilty. Now, I guess what that could mean is that if they have a warrant, then, you know, if, if the NSA or the FBI or the CIA comes to them, they're considered to not be innocent anymore. They're considered to be targets of an investigation or whatever, you know, lawyers on TV say. Yeah, well, and this article points out that really there's wording like this that kind of allows the, any of these companies to just weasel out of any of these things at any point in time, because all they have to say is, oh, well, we determined that they weren't innocent and therefore this didn't apply, you know, <laughs> so. Um, it sounds like a lot of fluff. It, it is. It really it, it makes them the company sound great. Oh, yeah, we signed on to this thing and we're going to protect everybody. And but it's like, you know, um Here's another example of that first part the, on the stronger defense. The wording is the companies will mount a stronger defense against cyber attacks. As part of this, recognizing that everyone deserves protection, the companies pledge to protect all customers globally, regardless of the motivation for attacks online. Shouldn't they already be doing that? Well, yeah. What, is, what exactly does that mean? Does that mean that until they sign this thing that my iMac was vulnerable to an attack by Tom Cruise? Yeah. <laughs> So, so I, I mean, are they saying that, you know, they haven't been doing a good job and so now they're going to actually start doing a good job? And when they say stronger, stronger than what exactly? What are they talking about? Mount a stronger defense? Stronger than, you know, you know, my two-year-old? I don't know. What does that mean? <laughs> this sounds like a lot of fluff, like some companies just wanted to get some attention. Yeah, it kind of does sound like that. I mean, if the wording had been better, you know, maybe this would mean something, but it almost doesn't mean anything. At least that's the argument that, that Brian makes. And, I, and I, I think he has some really good points. In other news, we've set up a survey and we'd like to get some information about our listeners. Fill out the survey and you'll have a chance to win a $100 Visa gift card. And you'll be helping us to understand what you want to hear on this podcast. We're going to take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll explain what trust jacking is, a new type of attack that can put your iPhone or iPad in danger. Your old Apple device is probably worth some money, but it can be a big hassle trying to resell your own equipment. SellYourMac.com makes it fast, safe, and easy to make money from your used Mac desktops and laptops, iPhones, and iPads. SellYourMac.com pays top dollar for your used Apple products. Come on, you've probably got some old gear you've been meaning to do something with. Are you going to just let it sit there and collect dust, or are you going to collect some cash? The best way to find out how much money you can make right now is to go to SellYourMac.com and enter your product's details. They'll give you an offer instantly. SellYourMac.com even provides you a free prepaid shipping label. Then all you have to do is send them the device. Once they receive it and processing begins, you'll quickly get a check in the mail or payment via PayPal. 
thousands and thousands of satisfied customers have made extra cash selling their used equipment to SellYourMac.com. And you should too. It's fast, it's safe, and it's easy. And here's a special offer. Go to SellYourMac.com slash Intego and you'll get a $10 bonus on items worth $25 or more. Go to SellYourMac.com slash Intego and start cashing in on your old Apple gear. SellYourMac.com slash Intego. At the end of last week's episode, we left you with a teaser. We talked about trust jacking. And just before we were recording last week's episode, we got this information about a new way that people can hijack your iPhone if you've trusted a computer. Josh, you wrote an article for the Mac Security blog about this. Can you explain what's going on here? Essentially, the way that a trust jacking attack begins is that you plug your iPhone, or it could be an iPad or iPod Touch, into a computer. Anytime you plug it into a computer that you haven't plugged it into before, you'll get a dialog box on your, your phone that'll say, trust this computer, your settings and data will be accessible from this computer when connected. And there's two buttons, there's trust and don't trust. The scenario where you'd want to trust that computer is if you wanted to, for example, back up your device to, to that computer. So maybe it's your own personal computer, you've got iTunes running on it, and you want to, uh, to back up, to synchronize, um, and, and to see your phone or, or other iOS device in iTunes so that you can copy music to it, whatever you want to do. That requires a trusted relationship. Right. And, and this is a pretty recent feature. They only added this a couple of operating systems ago. Yeah, it was actually, I think, in iOS 7 when they initially added the trust dialog box. And they, they've made some improvements recently. In iOS, as of iOS 11, it requires you, after you hit trust, you actually have to type in your full passcode on your device in order to establish that trusted relationship with that computer. Right, because previously anyone could just tap trust. Right, exactly. So if you left your phone at your desk unlocked, you know, somebody could, could grab it real quick, plug it into their computer, and hit trust, and then you would never know about it. So I've done this with all my iOS devices because I still sync with iTunes. This is just normal, as you said, for backups and syncing. What's the attack part that you're talking about here? Well, there's a couple of different attacks. In one scenario, you may have trusted a computer that doesn't belong to you. Sometimes people make the mistake of assuming that you have to establish a trust relationship, that you have to hit that trust button just to charge your phone, which is not true at all. Actually, when you plug your phone into someone else's computer, you should never, ever trust that computer. You should always hit don't trust. Charging does not require a trusted relationship. So always hit don't trust unless you absolutely know that you need to and you're going to be you know, syncing or doing something else with that computer in the future. And, and here's, here's another reason why it's important to hit don't trust. Anytime that you plug that iPhone into that computer in the future, you'll always get that dialog box again. So if in some, at some point in the future, you realize, oh no, wait, oh shoot, I should have trusted it, it's okay, that dialog box will come up again every time and then if you really do need to trust that computer, you can hit trust in the future. Now, I remember in the good old days, if you accidentally plugged an iPod into a computer that wasn't yours, iTunes would immediately try and overwrite everything in it. Then they added a dialogue asking if you wanted to overwrite everything. And now, as long as you've trusted, uh, your iPhone can be connected to another computer, even with iTunes running. It can display in iTunes and it won't sync automatically. 
So they have made progress on that. It, this used to be an issue for people when, let's say, they lost their computer, they wanted to get their music back from their iPod onto their computer. Once they launched iTunes, iTunes would try to sync the empty library onto the device and they'd lose all their content. So in many ways, this trust procedure not only makes it easier for us when we do sync, but it also protects against people accessing data. So this attack means that if you come over to my house and you want to charge your iPhone, and the only cable I have is connected to my iMac, then you just need to make sure that you tap don't trust so my iMac can't remember your iPhone. Is that correct? Right, exactly. But if you tap don't trust, it's still going to charge, right? Correct. So how is this actually an attack? Where's the attack in this? Well, there, there's a couple of scenarios. Again, that was starting out with plugging your, your phone into someone else's computer. If you've done that, what is possible is even after you've unplugged from that computer, as long as your phone is on the same wireless network, the same Wi-Fi network as that computer, it's possible to do a whole bunch of things that you might not assume looking at that dialog box. Again, the dialog box says when connected, meaning implying anyway that this is something that happens when your phone is physically connected with a USB cable to your computer. Right. And what this means is that the computer can communicate with the device. Even if you haven't in iTunes checked the little box, sync this iPhone over Wi-Fi, iTunes added Wi-Fi syncing many years ago, enabling people to use it without having to connect it at all. But technically, it's still connected. So that idea of connection is a bit ambiguous, isn't it? On the one hand, we think that a connection involves a wire, but on the other hand, the connection can exist without the wire. Right. And I've seen some screenshots that I think are probably from iOS 11.4 beta that show USB or Wi-Fi that actually specifies that in the dialog box. So that wording has not existed in any at any point in that trust dialog box to date. So I think those screenshots that I've seen are probably from iOS 11.4 beta. I haven't personally tried the beta, but I think Apple's working on clarifying the wording to make sure that you understand a little bit better that at least that syncing can happen over Wi-Fi. So the types of things that somebody can do, if you've tr trusted a friend's computer, or, and maybe they're not such a great friend, and they want to do certain things with your device, here's some examples of things that they could do. One is they could, from their computer, they could issue a command to your phone to back up your phone, which, okay, whatever, that doesn't sound too bad, right? Well, then the kinds of things that they can do with that backup include looking at all of your photos. Uh-oh, what if you've taken some photos that perhaps you don't want other people to have. Josh, you wouldn't do that, would you? No, I I wouldn't, but I'm sure there are a lot of people who would do something like that. I think there are, yeah. From time to time. So they can see all the photos that you've taken. They can also see all the text messages, and that's SMS or iMessage, either one. Um, that's a little creepy. So when text messages are sent over messages, they're encrypted, but they're not encrypted on the device. It's the sending that's encrypted, and they're decrypted when the other person gets them. So when they're on your device, they're in plain text and you can read them and see any attachments, any links, anything like that. And it gets worse. So there's a couple of other, other interesting things that they can do. One is it's possible for them to essentially stream video of what's going on on your phone 
to that computer. It's not technically streaming video. What it's actually doing is taking a bunch of screenshots all in a row. Really fast. Yeah, really fast. But but it works essentially the same way. And because the password dialog boxes on iOS show you the last character that you typed in, if they're streaming this fast enough, they can actually watch you type in passwords. So this is kind of a variation on what uh, has been known as shoulder surfing. Shoulder surfing? I've never heard that before. Yeah, so somebody can can watch over your shoulder to see, oh, what you're typing on your keyboard. In this case, they don't even have to be near you. You know, potentially they could be in a different room as long as they're on that that same Wi-Fi network. They can watch the last character that you're typing as they're streaming video from your device. So that's another attack. This sounds like some serious NSA stuff here. <laughs> this this sounds like something which would be you know, a plot point in a Tom Cruise movie. It does. Where somehow they find some spy's pin, and while he's in a different room in the hotel with a voluptuous female spy, they connect it to a computer real quick, tap the pin, leave it, go away, everyone leaves, and then they can watch whatever he's doing as long as they have the Wi-Fi close enough to him. So that's really the only limitation, isn't it? Right. As long as they're on the same same Wi-Fi network as each other. And, and we'll see that there's actually some ways to extend that, but... One one more attack that was demonstrated. So, so again, this this was at um, RSA conference. A couple of researchers had been uh, working with Apple actually since July of 2017 to try to help Apple to find ways to mitigate this kind of attack vector. And so, these researchers showed yet another way of exploiting this is to you can actually with a trusted relationship between a computer and an iOS device, you can replace the apps on their device in a split second with a modified version, including a maliciously modified version. It may look exactly the same. In their attack, uh, the, the demonstration of their attack, what they showed was the Facebook app. And now on that computer, they pushed a modified version of the Facebook app and we watched what happened on the phone. So if you had your phone on that home screen, you would you would see just for a split second that app it, it looks exactly the same as that app being updated when you're when you're you know in the app store and you do the updates it has that little kind of that, that little circular the little clock hand thing that goes around exactly so that's what it looked like and then the app looked identical the icon was in the same place and the icon looked exactly the same and when they tapped on that new facebook app in their demonstration, they showed a big banner across the corner that said, you know, modified app or something like that. But just to show that it's possible that you can actually replace an app with a modified version. So how how bad could this really be? Well, if you've modified an app, let, let's say, what what, if, what happens if you have a secure messaging app? Maybe you're using Signal or, or Threema or one of these other apps that's supposed to be a secure end-to-end -end encryption. And we encrypt, you know, everything to make sure that nobody can intercept your messages. Well, what if somebody has modified that app? <laughs> now they can siphon off anything that you've sent were received and they can put it in a plain text file that they can just sync anytime that you're within Wi-Fi range of that computer. Also, they can access private APIs. So these are application programming interfaces, what API stands for. And essentially it's a way for developers to do certain things with an app. Now, Apple only allows certain APIs to be used in app store apps, 
But if someone has made a malicious modification, now they can do things that Apple wouldn't allow you to do in an App Store app to get deeper access into um, what that application can do with your device. All right. So some of the people listening are going to be thinking, well, I just don't tap trust. Right. Which, which is true. And that's a good place to start. The other thing, though, that they demonstrated was that it's possible for somebody to who has taken over your computer. So let's let's assume the scenario that, oh, well, pff, I, I never hit trust on anyone else's computer. I always said don't trust anytime that I'm on anyone else's computer. The only machine I've ever trusted is my home computer. So I'm safe, right? Do, 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 do. <laughs> Here's where it gets really exciting, okay? So even if you are the least trusting person in the world, like me, let's say you're really paranoid like me and you've never trusted any other computer, what happens if somebody takes over your computer? What if they get remote access to your computer so they can sit at home and they can execute commands on your computer without your knowledge? All of this running in the background. Now they don't even have to be on the same Wi-Fi network as you. They just have to have your trusted computer that you own and your iOS device on the same Wi-Fi network, but they can be anywhere else in the world and they can execute commands from your computer to your phone. So you've trusted your computer, the one where you have the black electrician's tape over the, the camera, <laughs> right? the one where you wear your mask in front of and all that. You've trusted your computer, but if someone can get into your computer, then all bets are off. That's right. So by getting into your computer, they're sort of leveraging that to get into all of your iOS devices. Yeah. And now, I mean, if they're in your computer, they can certainly do a lot of other things as well. But but this is one of many things that they can now do, an extra thing that they can do. You might think your iOS device is safe. In that scenario, it would not be. I, I don't think people should be too worried about it. But what this does show is the possibility of one element being able to open the door to another element which opens the door to another element. And it shows how dependent we are on the interactions between our devices, that, that the individual devices are secure in their own way. But once they start working together, things get a little more complicated. That's right. And for anybody who is concerned that they may have trusted computers that perhaps they shouldn't have, there is a way that, unfortunately, there's not a way with Apple's software to disable that trust for a particular computer. But what you can do is you can go into, on your iOS device, you can go into Settings, General, Reset, and then Reset Location and Privacy. This does a couple other things too. It also resets the ability for iOS apps to use your camera and your location. But that just means that they'll ask again the next time you launch the apps, right? Correct. Yeah. So it's a little annoying that you've got to go through that process again, but it will mass untrust all of the computers that you've previously trusted. You know, that that's an interesting setting because I'm wondering what else that resets. And is this maybe the sort of security spring cleaning setting that we should tap once every three months? Yeah. In fact, the researchers who presented this suggested probably at least once a year just to go in and hit that button, you know, take, take a little bit of time, reopen the apps that you normally have to use the camera or the, or your location and, and, and allow those things again. Okay. So what we're going to do is this is episode number 28. And in 52 weeks in episode number 70, we are going to remind you to reset that setting. So we're going to do this once every year and it's springtime now. So it's a good idea for spring cleaning, isn't it? Hey, there you go. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thanks for all this, Josh. Until next week, stay secure. Stay secure. 
Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, sponsored by SellYourMac.com. You can get a $10 bonus on items worth $25 or more. Go to SellYourMac.com slash Intego and start cashing in on your old Apple gear. Be sure to get every episode of the Intego Mac Podcast by subscribing at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on Intego security and utility software. Intego.com.